0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Masters of Community podcast. My name is David Spinks, founder of CMX and VP of Community at Bevy. Each week, I bring you an expert who will help you take your community to the next level. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's dive into today's episode. Today's guest is Marjorie Anderson. She's been the manager of Digital Communities at Project Management Institute for over 12 years, She's also the founder of Community by Association, which is an amazing network of community professionals who are working in the association space. In this conversation, we talk all about how PMI approaches its programming to serve its million-plus community of project management professionals. Pretty wild. She also dives into their virtual events, which she's been running since 2014, so way before coronavirus and when everyone else had to try to go online with with their events. She also shares insights into how community teams can make sure their work is driving measurable business impact. That's one of her most passionate topics. And we go deep into objectives and metrics that you can focus on to make sure that you're having a real impact for your organizations. Marjorie is one of the most experienced community professionals I know. Uh, She's a wealth of insight and actions and tactics that you can apply to your own communities. So excited for this conversation. Hope you enjoy it too. If you do, share it with your friends and colleagues after the episode. All right, let's dive in. Marjorie, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, David. Excited to be here.
0: So we gave you a quick intro uh, in the introduction to this episode, but why don't you go ahead and just kind of share a little bit about yourself, your background, and, and how you got to working in community.
1: Sure. So um, as David said, I am Marjorie Anderson. I am the product manager for community at Project Management Institute. I also have um, a blog that produces bi-weekly content for community managers and associations called community by association. Uh, I started out actually in my, my working career in retail and customer service. Worked in that field for many, many years. And when I got to PMI, I started out in our customer service area and then moved to back office operations in 2010 and was looking for some other opportunities within the organization and was having some conversations and, you know, the, one of the HR uh, employment specialists, kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, I appreciate your excitement for wanting to apply for other roles, but we need to find something that's a fit because I was really literally applying for everything that came up. In 2012, 2013 timeframe, she said, listen, we have a virtual communities team that is currently looking for someone to fill a role. I think you'd be a good fit for it. And I was like, ah, I don't know about all that. And so the role came up, I let it pass, and then it came up so again. So that was the
0: one role you did. <laughs> right, <about.
1: laughs> right. I was like, no, that's not the one for me. Um and then it came up again and she said, you know, why don't you why don't you try? Why don't you have a conversation with the hiring manager and 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 see. So I did, and I applied for the role, and she gave it to me. And at this time, I didn't know anything about communities. I didn't know. I didn't belong to any online communities. I didn't know what they were. And so I joined the program in the midst of change. We had a communities of practice program that had 36 separate communities of practice, all um, locked down to membership, um, led by volunteers. And it was changing because we were also acquiring um, another community. Uh, platform as you know in the midst of all of this so um, we were dissolving that program while I was joining the team so not only did I have to learn about what it meant to manage an online community but then I also had to learn what my role was really going to be in the next six to eight months
0: yeah thrown into the community fire
1: Exactly, exactly. And I quickly learned that this was work that I absolutely loved. Um for for right now I can't ever imagine doing anything else. This is really great work. I love it and I always tell people, you know, if you give me an hour to talk about community, I will talk about it for 5 hours. It's <laughs> it's just really really that great and dear to me. So it's a it's it's been a great ride um being a part of the program since 2013 and really seeing it evolve.
0: Five hours might be a little long for a podcast episode, <laughs> but we'll we'll get a lot in our hour chat. Um, and so that that's cool. I mean, your story sounds not too dissimilar from a lot of other community professional stories that kind of fell into uh, this world of building community professionally for for a business. Um, and so fast forward now, and you're one of the top experts in association communities. You write about it constantly. Um, and you've developed uh, a whole lot of experience in in building a pretty large scale community. How big is the community now? How many members does PMI have?
1: So currently we our online community has one million plus registered users um, and about three hundred thousand of those are um, our members uh, pmI members we have six hundred thousand members so the wow. community consists of people who have who are bought into PMI and who know what we're about and know that we offer, as well as people who are just project management professionals looking for information and resources to help them be more successful. And that's what our community provides.
0: So yeah, talk a little bit about the community. Um, so it's for project management professionals. Um, what, what does a community entail? What are people doing in there? What kind of programming do you have?
1: Yeah, so um, it entails a lot right now. It's really content heavy. So we have kind con- of contributors who um, we commission to provide us content, as well as a mechanism for allowing users to provide content on a volunteer basis. So we have um, a bunch of user-generated content that comes in the form of articles, blogs, webinars, um, case studies, white papers, uh, so we have an abundance of information and resources there. We also have our discussion threads that are pretty lively uh, that, that we keep going, and we have have uh, different types of programming. So we have webinars that are open to some, most of them are are locked down to members as a member benefit for overall PMI membership. But then we also have webinars that are not locked down to members. So um, people are still able to get some professional development in and participate in conversations that matter to them. Uh, We also provide um, something called Ask the Experts. Mm -hmm. And what this really is, is it's we've identified people within our online community who have been extremely helpful, who have some level of expertise in a particular industry or topic. And we try to bring those people. um, We started a webinar series to bring those people in. Um, to help um, help with conversation around that specific topic. Uh, what we also do with those folks is that we bring them to our live events. So for our glo- global conference that we have in the fall, we have an Ask the Expert feature in the exhibit hall where it's set up specifically for community and people can have face-to-face conversations mm-hmm. with the people they've been having online conversations with all year long. Um, It sounds like
0: there's a lot of mentorship kind of focused programs because all your members are people who have a a shared profession and they're all coming to get better at that profession. And so is that kind of the value that you really focus on in terms of community to the member? It's just helping them grow in their career.
1: Uh, That and also helping them, um, you know. Figure out how to how to manage their projects better. So if they're looking for specific tools, templates, um, ways of doing things, or even surfacing trends within specific areas that mm-hmm. matter to them, uh, we try to we try to bring that to the forefront in, in specific ways. So um, one of the things that we also do is we do um, virtual events. So we hold virtual events for a year.
0: And you've been this- doing them before. It was. An absolute requirement and and cool now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We have been doing virtual events since 2014. And we started out with six and we scaled it back to four because the time that it took to really do a really great virtual event. We have a six-month planning cycle for each one, and we that's all of the community engagement specialists were doing. We're planning virtual events. So we were like, we need to scale this back and really focus in on the content and information that is valuable that people are telling us they want to hear about. Um, so we scaled it back to four virtual events back in 2018. Uh, we kick it off uh, at the beginning of the year with our larger one, which is PM Expo, which is open to everyone, and then the subsequent virtual events are member-only
0: events. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, and I, I, we're going to dive into virtual events uh, and and learn from, you know, I think you're one of the more experienced people out there with those. Uh, before we get kind of into the weeds, um, just to continue to frame a little bit, I want everyone to really understand the community program you're running. It's It's an old community. It's been around for a long time, right? When was PMI started?
1: So PMI um, was founded in 1969, I believe it was. And um, so we had our 50 year anniversary last year. But projectmanagement.com has been around for 20 years. So that community has been around before we acquired it back in 2014. Once we acquired it, we launched it in 2015, Sunset Our Communities of Practice program, and that had become our new community. Oh, interesting. So
0: it was an association, and then there was a separate community that some folks started um, for project managers, and you as the association were like, we need to get into this whole internet thing. Uh, let's acquire the leading community.
1: Yeah. Because before that, our, our community programs were, were very centered on, um, just our members. So we Mm -hmm. had SIGs and colleges that started, I think in 2008. So that was when I was just starting at PMI, I've been PMI Mm -hmm. for 12 years. So, um, They had SIGs and colleges. They were volunteer-led. They were only open to members. You had to pay a subscription fee in order to be a part of them, but they were virtual. Um, So we quickly realized that model didn't work. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we moved to communities of practice, which you didn't have to pay for anymore, but you still had to subscribe to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were still volunteer-led. And the thing that we found um, that we were having trouble with was that the content was being duplicated, the experiences were disjointed. So you might go to an agile community of practice and it'd be vibrant and there's conversation and regular content, but then you might go to, you know, a leadership community of practice and there hasn't been a post, you know, in six months. So mm-hmm. um, what we decided was that We had outgrown that model as well. When we first started, it was fine, but then we started to outgrow that model. It was something that our members were saying, listen, you know, I get what you're trying to do here, but we're not getting any value out of this particular model. And we're having disjointed experiences. I'm not finding the things that I need in one place, which was really important. They didn't want to have to go to three to four different communities of practice in order to get one piece of information. Right. So when we acquired projectmanagement.com, we migrated that content and then what we did was we we deconstructed that volunteer model so that everyone was entering the community on equal footing mm-hmm. and had an opportunity to be seen as leaders within the online community and and, and ambassadors and and you know and experts and those types of things. So right. um we we launched our new community in um, March of 2015, and it skyrocketed. It took off from there. Um, so we are we're at a good point now where we have we've seen that it's working, but there are still some strides we need to take. There you know, of we're not we're not connected. You mean you
0: haven't perfected community ha- yet? It's not Weird. perfect. <laughs> so, and so now, um, are, are your members? You said you had six hundred thousand members. Um, What's the distribution of paid and unpaid in your community?
1: So we have 600,000 PMI members as a whole, a little over. Yeah. And they're all paid. We have um, a million plus registered users within the online community. So um, I would say half of for the number of people who are actually participating within the online community who are PMI members, it's about 300,000. So, right. most of the people who come into the online community and participate are non members which is a ripe opportunity for PMI to be able to reach people through online community that they may not have had access to before. Mm-hmm. Um, however, our most vocal and active are PMI members, because once again, they've, they've already drank the Kool-Aid. They know what PMI is about. They, they're bought into our mission, vision, and values, um, and they know what we offer. But then there's this whole group of other people who don't. And, and this Got is a great it. opportunity for us to work with the rest of the organization to say, "Hey, here's some people that you might want to try to reach out to and grab."
0: And so the community is totally free for everyone to participate in, whether yep. or not you're a member. Yep, and, it's a frame and, and, and then model. there's a bunch of other value adds for members. Exactly. And and so do you see community? Is that kind of the business objective for you? Is it to help you acquire new members?
1: It's one of them. It's definitely one of them. It's to help acquire new members. It's helped to provide additional visibility to the product services and experiences that PMI offers. And it's to help kind of fill that funnel um, and, and, and guide people throughout their career journey. So we're in a unique position as a community to be able to provide resources and information um, at all levels to people based off of where they are in their, in their career journey. So whether they're just starting out in project management or whether they've been um, project manager for 20 years and are ready to retire, the goal of the online community is to make sure that we meet these folks where they are and provide them what they need in order to continue to be um, passionate and bought into the profession um, so that they see PMI overall as a go-to resource for all mm-hmm. things
0: project. How intentional have you been able to be with that kind of targeting? Um, Because that, that aligns really closely with, I guess, like a general theory that I have of community that all communities exist to help people grow. And especially professional communities, it's all about helping people grow in their career. And you can imagine a career journey or any sort of learning journey that anyone can be on and um communities can essentially support people as they're getting from level 1 to 2 to 3. So have you did you like break down here are the stages of the project manager journey and and create content and things specifically for each of those levels or i guess how specific do you really get with that content and community experience?
1: So Community, um, we, the community program intentionally did not make that breakdown, but PMI as an organization did Mm -hmm. a few years back. What we did was we tried to segment um, our users holistically by using the jobs to be done framework and really looking at demographics in a different way. So not what is the age of our project manager? You know, where do they work? You know, are they in construction or are they in, you know, you know, food service or financial services, what we did was we looked at who who do we have and what are they actually looking for us to provide for them yeah. and then based off of that segmentation uh, holistically, we we were able to then say, okay, this is how we can try to engage these types of folks within the online community um, and and create programming that would bring them in. so, it's a it's really great resource for people who are mid-career, right? So they have been project mm. managers for a little while, and they've really got a good grasp on what that means. And they're looking to hone their skills and be seen as subject matter experts. So... Because of the way that we bring in user-generated content, it's a great way for them to be able to provide articles and do webinars and that type of stuff to say, you know, listen, I, I, I really understand this particular concept. Let me show you what I know about it. Um, what we're having trouble with is bringing in that next generation of user or next generation of professional because um, they get drowned out by those, pro- those other professionals, right, who are, who are really adamant about trying to make their mark within project management. Um, so they might come into the community and ask a question, and but because of the volume of, of, of content and information that flows through on a daily basis within our online community, it might be hard for them to be seen. So what we're trying to do going forward is make sure that we um, allow them space to have those conversations, find the information that they need and also develop their skills so that they can be seen as knowledgeable and influential as well.
0: Yeah, that that's super interesting. That aligns really closely with I think one of the biggest challenges that mature communities have, which is eventually you have these really experienced members who have very strong opinions about how things should go and they, they think they know everything. Um and I, I've I've heard from many companies that like that can actually become pretty problematic and make it hard for new um community members to come into the community and feel welcome and feel like they have a role there and a space there. Um, I've seen other communities literally split out the groups and they're like, okay, we'll give you your own space for all the OGs and, uh, and then create a space just for bringing in new members.
1: Yeah, we definitely want to make sure that we keep those um, those conversations commingled. What we're looking at is mm-hmm. working with our volunteer programs and services area to create a peer-to-peer mentoring program. That way, those conversations, you know, it feels like that there's space for someone who's newer, but then the people who are more experienced also feel like they're giving back in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so then those other conversations can continue to surface. And then people who haven't necessarily had as loud of a voice within the online community before now can.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's uh, ideal, right? Is giving the experienced people that title of like mentor expert, and, you know, pumping their ego a little bit. Um, but in a way that makes them feel important and valued. And that's really all anyone wants in a community at the end of the day is they want to feel like they have a valuable contribution to make. Exactly. What's up, everyone? Just want to take a quick second to let you know about the launch of CMX Academy, a brand new training platform built to help you develop the knowledge and skills you need to take your community strategy to the next level. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you've enjoyed all these interviews, you're going to love the courses because they go much deeper into the topics we discuss here. We talk about community engagement, scaling your community programs, and how to identify objectives and metrics for how community impacts your business. All of our courses are on demand, so you can take them anytime at your own pace. And all of the lessons come with worksheets and activities, so you can apply the lessons to your actual community. And after completing each course, you'll receive a certification to add to your resume and your LinkedIn profile to show that you've completed the program. We're offering an exclusive discount on all of our courses just for podcast listeners. Go to cmxhub.com academy and use the discount code podcast to get 20% off all the courses. Again, cmxhub.com slash academy enter the code podcast. So okay, so I'm curious now to kind of zoom out a little bit and and so got a really good idea of the community, um, the programming, the history. And so so now, you know, your job is to engage this community. I mean, I, I think it's interesting for associations because associations essentially are communities. Um Whereas, like maybe other businesses have a software product or something else they're selling, an association essentially is saying, like, become a member and become a part of this community, and yeah, they get all these kind of benefits and and trainings and assets, but ultimately, it kind of is community at its core, and so generally, when I see those, it, it's you know, member growth, member retention as as the key business objectives, is that what your objectives are, or how do you think about, you know, the business objectives, the business outcomes you're shooting for?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that is definitely part of our um, business objectives. And, you know, I I ask a couple of questions when I think about how are we going to measure the business value of community? Um, And so the first thing that I do is I I think about how do I qualify or quantify what members are getting out of the community. Um, And and some of the things that I usually, I mean, that stuff can be done through surveys and informal conversations, but um, what I usually do is I look at um, what are we measuring and and does it connect in any way to feeding into the business goals of the organization? Because that's usually first top of mind for me. I think about, you know, where's the organization heading? And then what did I say? the goal of my community was and where do they marry. Um, and then if there's no synergy somewhere, I try to figure out where that synergy needs to be. Scrap what doesn't make sense and keep what does. So I, I look at um, what my metrics are, um, look for things that I can measure that will really um, help provide an indication of wanted behavior from the from the user. So how are they engaging? Uh, how much time are community members spending on the site? you know how are they where how often are they returning and are they sharing content and that can be you know indicators of behavior there so that's one of the things that I look at in terms of are we meeting our business objectives and do the business objectives that we have set forth make sense um, if i can't measure those types of things then i revisit um And then I look for, um, what is the organization getting out of it? So at the end of the day, if the organization and their strategic plan says, these are the things that we want to focus on, and these are the things that we want to drive forward, where is my contribution from a program perspective to that? So um, Mm -hmm. I have some conversations with people across the organization, um, and then I try to figure out what, what story can I tell based off of what I'm, what I'm measuring? And does that, again, feed back into what I said my community strategy was going to be and how that connects to the rest of the organization? Um, and then I step back and say, now that I have gathered all of this information, what's it telling me? And how do I communicate that to my higher-ups, right? So I can go in and say, we got 1,000 new members this month okay, what does that mean? Does that really translate into anything? If not, um, then I need to figure out what does translate into business value. So, If I go to my leadership and I say, um, as a result of this webinar program that we implemented last month, we saw an 8% increase in sales of XYZ product, that's that's business value. So those are the things that I'm looking for when I want to make sure that I am connecting to the business. um, Because I think that we sometimes get into a situation where we're so hyper-focused on what is the health of the community? And that stuff is important because you want to make sure that you have a vibrant community, but you also want to make sure that you're providing value to the rest of the organization. So um, at the end of the day, that's really what I'm, 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 I'm really looking at is where's, the, where's, the, where's that connection? And if there's not a connection then I need to figure out, if there's not an apparent connection then I need to figure out why, and then adjust my strategy based off of that. Yeah.
0: What, what, what do you think that relationship or how do you articulate that relationship between community health and business value? Is it like um, sometimes you focus on more of one or the other, depending on the program? Do all of your programs have to achieve both? Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't think any business has really figured this out. And it, it's something that everyone really struggles with is we... Most community professionals want to build community because they care about people and connecting people and making them happy. Businesses say they want to do those things as well, and I believe they do. But at the end of the day, they are accountable to a bottom line and shareholders and keeping the business alive and paying salaries. And so do these things coexist well, in your opinion, or is it kind of you're just trying to balance both sides of that scale?
1: I think it's a balance um, because I think that there are things that you have to do in order to make sure that your your community members feel cared for. Otherwise, it just feels like one more thing that the organization is offering and trying to push on to people. But I think that you also have to figure out, okay, yes these are the things that I need to do to make sure that my community members are cared for. And then at the same time, here are the things that I need to do to make sure that the organization is getting value of it. And I think if you do it right, it feels like the same for both. Like it, the, mm-hmm. the value doesn't feel any different for the organization or for the, the customer. So I say that meaning if there is a product that your organization is about to launch, and you are hearing in your online community that people are having a hard time finding content that is maybe in bite-sized you know, pieces, it's something they can easily consume on the way to work, you know, and it's not a podcast, it's just something that they need to just get a quick answer on. And you know that your organization is about to launch that, push that out to your, to your community and say, Hey, look at this great thing that we're offering. And they am like, Oh man, that's so awesome. And then guess what? Sales are going to go up on the product side for your organization. So real shared value realized, but at the end of the day, you're still making sure that your folks in the community are cared for, as well as mm-hmm. helping the organization meet business objectives. So it's a yeah. balancing act, but I think if you do it right, it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing one or the other.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I was thinking about this yesterday um how i think th- i think this is true for every part of business not just community but because of the word community uh we we associate all these kind of emotional things to it and we feel this like i don't know maybe bigger obligation to keep it pure from profit in a way um but if you look at any part of business whether it's marketing sales product customer service there's always going to be like a very transactional way of doing it. And then there's a very human way of doing it. And I don't think anyone in business would say like, we only want to do the transactional way, unless you're just one of those terrible businesses out there. Um, But everyone, like even sales, like, yeah, you can be really cold and sleazy and aggressive about it. Or you can spend a lot of time giving someone value, helping them, supporting them, being in their corner up to the point where it makes sense to, to partner and collaborate. That's what great salespeople do. And marketing, yeah, you can be really bad and shady and weird with marketing, or you can be really thoughtful and just try to give as much value as possible and help people and and build that trust over time so that they want to buy your product and want to associate with your brand. And I think community is the same thing. At the end of the day, what community is, is connecting people in order to drive some sort of value for the business. Right. whether it's support or retention or growth or whatever, but there's going to be good ways you can go about doing that and, and ways that are very human centric. And then there's going to be like more transactional ways that especially when it comes to community just won't work at all, because without that human element, those connections won't happen.
1: Exactly. And that's one of the things that I always tell my team is if anyone ever comes and says, I want to put this in the community. Have a conversation with them, ask them why, ask them what they're trying to achieve by exposing it to the community, what the goal is and what they expect the outcome to be. And sometimes the result of that conversation is community is not the right place for that. Maybe you should talk to this person or that person and we yeah. provide them you know, other areas to try to you know, maybe surface that. But if we don't have that conversation then we're just throwing a bunch of stuff in the community. We don't know why it's not providing value to anybody. Um, but you know, have those strategic conversations, and if the answer is no, the answer is no. But if the answer is yes, then it can really create a beautiful situation for community members and for the organization.
0: Totally. And and so, okay, so to get a little more in the weeds and practical on the the setting, kind of business goals, do, does the team provide you with organization-wide goals, and then you work back from there on how are the community programs impacting that, or how do you how do you know what the major focuses for the organization?
1: Yeah. So the first thing that I do to understand what the focus is for the organization is I read our strategic plan. Um, It's out there for anybody to to take a look at. And I take a look at it and I urge my team to take a look at it. And we really try to figure out and understand what are the business goals for the organization going forward.
0: Um, Um, So executive team puts out a strategic plan. They do that once a year.
1: um, We refresh our strategic plan every three to five years. Um oh yeah. wow
0: that is a long term strategic plan. Yeah,
1: yeah and and we might be shifting to a different model but the current way that we do it is we we refresh it every 3 to 5 years and things change so um you know we make updates to the parts that need updates but we do a total overhaul you know later on.
0: You might have a global pandemic. Right. <laughs> Those things might might alter that three to five year (laughs) strategy or three to five week strategy. (laughs)
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, So then once that's out, I I don't stop there. Then I try to figure out, okay, what are the needs across the business? So I have conversations with other people, Um, peers and colleagues usually have very specific business goals that are tied to that larger strategy. So you're not going to get what those business goals are without having conversations So Mm. what I did one year before I became the manager of the program was I did a roadshow. I took it upon myself to meet with key stakeholders across the organization that I knew were big parts of the strategy, like our chapters, Mm. our volunteer programs and services team, our events team. And I really tried to understand what their pain points were, what were they struggling with, what was working really well. And then I would ask, so what can community help with? And sometimes they didn't know. But just in having those conversations, I had notes that I could then take back that would help me figure out, okay, these are some areas we might be able to tap into to help move things forward for that team or for the business. Um, And I urge my team to do the same. Have conversations with people across the organization. Stay tuned in to what's happening, changes that are taking place, um, updates, those types of things so that we can figure out, okay, what's what's the way that we can really help here?
0: Um, I love that. Yeah, I just want to call out that that is definitely something I've seen as a consistent theme with people who are successful in their work building community. Is they make it a point to sit down and get in a room with other members of their team in other departments and understand their needs and their pains and how community can help them. All of a sudden, that that unlocks a whole lot of resources and support and interest in community. Whereas what a lot of people I, I I think I see do is they just try to kind of build community in more isolation. If anything, they even put up walls. They say, we don't want marketing here. We don't want sales here. Um, and, and then they, you know, have to ask for resources later or they try to like communicate how they're helping marketing. But it wasn't a conversation. It's kind of broadcasted out, which doesn't
1: work. Right. Exactly. And at the end of the day, if you're having those types of conversations and if you're really kind of inserting yourself and kind of extending an olive branch, that is what helps you create your value statement or you know, as part of your strategy. And that ultimately then helps you secure um, budget, secure resources, those types of things. And then, you know, always going back to why does this community exist? Why did my organization or this company or this brand choose to make an investment in community? And Mm -hmm. if you are still crystal clear on that, um, then um, making sure that you stay true to that um, as part of your overall strategy and how you're going to kind of navigate through the rest of the organization and continue to provide value is incredibly important because yes, it's about the business, but you also need to understand and make sure that you're crystal clear as to why that investment was made. And is it still ringing true? If not, change your strategy so that it continues to ring true um, and, and have conversations. Again, Yeah, I think sometimes we have a uh, a, a, a tendency to have these ideas about what community can do. And we sit down and we write it all out and we put it in a folder on our desktop, mark community stuff, and then we walk away and we don't communicate it with anybody else. And I am a loud mouth in that respect. So I will insert myself sometimes in places that I don't belong because I need people to understand why we're here Um, because they don't, they don't always understand why community exists. So I need to make sure that I'm communicating that and I'm finding ways for my team to sit, my team to sit on cross-functional teams uh, for projects and, you know, insert themselves where they can provide some value so that people start to understand, you know, I I get why PMI has invested in
0: community. Um, okay. So, so you get that idea of what the business wants by talking to lots of people. How do you actually put together your plan? Is it a spreadsheet? Is it a a PowerPoint? Uh, and, and how, how far out do you plan as a community team in terms of how you're going to impact those goals?
1: It's a great question. So what we do is I, I usually do, um, this year I did a deck. Sometimes it's a formal business plan in word, but this year I chose to do a deck, um, Uh, that really kind of outlined what we were doing, why we were doing it, how it connects to the business. Um, And that's for the strategy. And that really feeds into our annual planning. Um, So for the annual planning, what I usually like to do is bring my team together and do it with them. I want them to be a part of that process so that they understand what our direction is and how they contribute to it. Um, So two thirds of my team is remote. The other uh, two people on my team, I have a team of six, work in the office with me. So, usually in the fall, I like to bring them together and have a, an annual planning session. And what we do is we talk about what we accomplished so far this year, um, what are some of the things that we're seeing, what are the things that we want to accomplish mm-hmm. um, that's going to bring some value. And we take a look at the strategy and we try to pull some some meat out of that in order to guide our annual plan what are we going to do within the community within the next 12 months for the strategy what i do is i take a look at that twice a year i look at it at the beginning of the and i try to develop the strategy around the end of the year um, around the same time that that's ready to go so that it feeds into this, the annual planning mm-hmm. with my team but i look at my strategy twice a year um, i look at it at the beginning of the year to make sure we're still all set, everything's still tight and ready to go. Then I look at it again, probably around the beginning of the fourth quarter to understand, does the strategy still ring true? And what changes do we need to make for the upcoming year for the things that we know are coming?
0: Cool. So you got that high-level plan, that direction, the big goal for the year or or half the year. Um, What do you do next? Do you put that into a dashboard where you're tracking all those metrics? Are you checking in with your team on those metrics on a regular basis? And how do, you, how do you then move into execution?
1: So what we then do is we take a look at our metrics and we report out on metrics weekly and monthly. Um, so what happens is we uh, have our community health and our engagement um, metrics. Uh, and we, we look at those on a weekly basis and we have those in a deck. And what it does is it outlines kind of, it shows the metrics and then it shows what are the things that we are doing as a community program on a weekly basis. So that's what that weekly report shows. And then that goes out to my VP and my director so they can see the progress that we're making. On a monthly basis, what I do is I do a site traffic and engagement report. And what that does is it kind of does a monthly roll up of that weekly metrics report that we send. And it shows uh, trends in site traffic, spikes in traffic, when traffic has gone down, why it's gone down, and it takes a look at deeper things like how much time are people spending within the online community, Um, those types of things. And it allows me to draw some conclusions that I can report out on as part of my monthly Mm. report. Uh, So they're getting information not only on a weekly basis, but on a monthly basis on the performance of the community. And then by looking at that information that frequently, it allows me to then be able to see where I need to make changes if I need to make those changes.
0: What are your top three favorite metrics?
1: um uh, my top 3 favorite metrics the ones you dream uh, about <laughs>
0: uh,
1: the ones i dream about let me think um i i love the unique visitor metric because then that tells me how many really new people are coming into the community so it's not just the number of site visits it's the number of unique visits to the mm. community who's who's coming that hasn't been there Do you want that to be going in up any given day. every
0: month or just staying consistent
1: um, I would like to see it um, at least at the very least stay consistent um, as long as that 's continuing to be something that is not going down you know then that 's perfect for me because then that means that there 's interest and people are wanting to come and consume the content and and get the experience that others mm-hmm. are getting. Um, So that's one. Um, I like to see um, the number of messages sent between users. Mm. So that's one that we measure to see, are they talking to each other? You know, not just in the discussion forums, but are they actually having conversations? And it susses out the stuff that's spam, right? Like buy this Rolex watch because people... People do spam our community and we, we have a good, you know, mechanism for making sure that those people are out. But I want to see are people sending messages to each other and having conversations about project management? Are they talking to one another outside of the discussion thread? So that's a great one that I love to see every month. Um, and then the third one that I really like to see is the number of discussion threads that actually have answers, so because of the number of people within our community, we the discussion threads, I mean, there's thousands of threads, you know, thousands of posts every month. Um, but I like to see how many of those are actually getting answers and which ones aren't getting answers so that we can keep an eye on that and make sure that we go in there and make sure that those folks are getting answers so they continue to come back. Uh, but that's one that I always get excited about. I love to see that people are answering each other's questions and helping one another. It's, it's, that tells me that they're engaged and they're invested in the community in a way that, um, some communities don't get to see.
0: Awesome. Good metrics. I'm going to dream about those metrics now. (laughs) Um, I, I think I forgot to ask in the beginning too, what platform are you hosting your community on?
1: We are currently hosting our community on a platform called ColdFusion, uh, but we are working through a community migration and we are looking at a couple of vendors uh, to migrate off of for the sheer fact that we wanna be able to collect some more robust data on who our users are and connect that into our CRM. Right now, the current platform does not allow for that, but um, you know, I think that once we migrate to a, a truly um, connected, uh, community platform, then we'll really really be able to see some really awesome insights about who our users are totally. and
0: what they're doing. What what CRM are you using?
1: We are currently using Microsoft Dynamics 365.
0: Cool. Um sweet. So yeah, I think that's helpful context. Um a lot of these metrics really will depend on the platforms you use and, and how you're able to gather that data. So super important. Um cool I want I want to switch gears a little bit into kind of talking about the programming and content and events and things you're doing. One thing you just did, super impressive, was you ran a 40,000 person virtual event. And you said earlier, you've been doing events since 2014, I think you said. And so everyone's trying to figure out virtual events right now because people literally can't interact in person. Um, Would love to hear from you. What goes into running a 40,000 person virtual event? What What are the key things that you think are important for making a virtual event successful?
1: Yeah, it's 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 a lot. So I do want to start off by saying um, that this particular virtual event is usually our first virtual event of the year. It's PM Expo, and it's open to everyone. And this was the largest PM Expo that we had seen mm. in years. So um, I think there are a couple of things that really going in go into making sure that you have a successful event. The first thing is planning. You have to give yourself enough time. To plan and socialize the event. So, not only do you have to give enough time for you to plan it, but then it also helps you develop the content. Um, So, if you're, if you, it allows you to nail your messaging, it allows you to ensure that any partnerships that you need to develop across an organization, you know, outside of the organization, advertising, any of that, that's all set up. Um, I think that we're fortunate uh, at PMI that we've got. Um, an events team, and that we've got our community team. So our, you know, but the community team that has been running the events since 2014, kind of on our own. So, um, you know, we've 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 done a really good job at identifying speakers and those types of things. But giving yourself enough runway to be able to plan a really good event is key. You would not plan a live event in 30 days. Um, not one that you expect a lot of people to attend. So you would want to give that same care to a virtual event, especially with a virtual event. Um, The next thing is making sure you have good audience fit. You know who you're trying to attract with the content that you're putting out there. Again, that long runway in terms of a planning cycle gives you the opportunity to make sure that you've got that right um, and, and allows you to make sure that you are addressing what they care about. The next thing that I think is important is accessibility. Um, Your virtual event has to be accessible for your audience. So for instance, you would not charge $600 a ticket for a virtual event for teachers. Right. That's not affordable for them. That doesn't even make sense. Um, But, um, you know, make it free or price it appropriately for who your audience is. Um, If not, you know, they'll be vocal about you trying to take advantage of your stakeholders, but you know if they're really bought into what you're trying to do, they'll they'll pay for it if the value is there. but you have to make sure that you're being smart about that and making it accessible to them um, and then I think then the one of the key things is making sure that your content and the experience of the virtual event is there and is realized so Um, you know, have breakout sessions. One of the things that we do is we have exhibit halls and we give people 10-minute breaks in between each session so that they have time to go get water. Uh, We have a midday break that's about 40, 45 minutes long. Um, And then we, you know, if we think that it's valuable, we'll stick like a 10 to 15-minute kind of quick session in there that's about an upcoming event or a product that we're getting ready to launch that is going to be valuable to to the audience. Um, We we used to have giveaways as part of PM Expo. Um, we also have a moderator who is incredibly engaging. I just have to give a shout-out to Stephen May. He is he is just a breath of fresh air when he's moderating our events. Um, him and we have another um, moderator uh, by the name of Rick. I can't think of his last name right now, but he's also really great. Um, and, and what they do is they engage the speakers. We have live Q&A at the end of the pre-recorded session. So the speakers call in and um, it's just a back and forth between the moderator and the, and the speaker. And it's great. So, um, you know, they're, they're long days, but because people love the experience, they stick in with us. Most people stick in with us the whole day. We start our virtual events at nine a.m. in the morning, and they finish usually by five o'clock in the evening. And most people stay on with us all day because they enjoy the experience. Um, so, I if, think if, if you nail those things, um, then people are going to have a really great experience at your virtual conference.
0: What, are there any other like like giveaways? Is a good example. Are, are there specific things that you've seen work really well for virtual events to engage people? Because I I've also seen that, right? Like they're on their computer. It's, it's generally going to be more broadcast. You can't have discussion groups. It sounds like you do have discussion groups as well, right?
1: Yeah, we actually um, we recently last year um, turned off the chat function in the sessions, but we have a networking mm. lounge in the platform. So people can go to this specific area to chat with one another, exchange ideas. Uh, We have a virtual exhibit hall. So during breaks or if they're like, you know what, this session's not for me. They can go into the virtual exhibit hall and we have booths that are there that are not only for um, PMI, but then we also have advertisers Mm -hmm. that are there. So, you know, our ad sales department does a really great job at selling space either in a virtual event or in a live event. And we get vendors Like Microsoft, we get vendors like Keyed In, we get vendors that come in and they have access to these folks. And these folks have access to information and tools that these vendors offer that are gonna help make them more successful. So that's pretty engaging for them. Um, we do ask our uh, presenters to do things like incorporate polls. We had someone last year do a whole session around jazz and project management. So it was very interactive and there was a lot of music mm-hmm. associated with his presentation. So we we ask our, our presenters to kind of stretch themselves a little bit. And then we also provide ways for people to to do something other than sit and listen mm-hmm. to someone talk at them all day um, during the during the event. And it's 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 always usually a great hit. We get great feedback um, within our social channels and people emailing us just to say you know how engaging and valuable that the, the virtual events are to them. What I also say about running a successful virtual event is that no man is an island. My team is extremely skilled and capable, but they aren't marketers, and they don't do graphic design. So we have a really good relationship with our marketing department to make sure that we have the messaging right and to ensure that we're reaching out to the right audience for our virtual events. Uh, we work with our social media team to get the word out in those channels. Our email team deploys the marketing messages for us. Our online learning team holds the relationship with the platform. So this is really, truly a group effort. And I just want to say that if you're lucky enough to have those types of relationships and resources in your association or your company, you have to use those partnerships in order to be successful. It's so, so
0: important. Awesome. Cool. So yeah, virtual events, really big. Um, what are other things that are really key for keeping your community engaged? Uh, you do the physical events. Um, in the community, you talk about mentorship programs, I guess, like what, what are the things that you think are most important or what's the advice you'd have for others on how to build engagement and, and create a really great content program for their community, given the the scale and scope of what you've been able to do?
1: So I think one of the, one of the great things that we, we've been able to tap into is user generated content. We are not the ones creating, the staff's not creating the content that goes into the community. It's the community creating that content. So they're able to share best practices, their experiences, lessons learned um, through different mediums. And that could be a webinar, that could be an article, that could be a blog post. That could be a podcast. So, whatever way that they're creating, we like to pull that into the community so that they can learn from one another. And that really gives them a boost, helps them feel like they're contributing. Um, And it keeps them engaged because then once they've created that content and they see that people are really receptive to it, they want to do more. So, that keeps people wanting to come back Mm -hmm. to the community. Um, And then I think that one of the other things that you want to look at is how can you how can you surface other information and resources that are gonna be helpful to people? So, I mean, there's only, I think user generated content is is good, but I think it starts to duplicate itself um, after a certain time. So what I mean by that is if someone writes an article on agile transformations, and someone sees that it does really well, then all of a sudden you get this influx of content on agile transformations. And so, that means that the community is not seeing anything fresh. So bring in, um, one of the things that we're doing now is an Ask Me Anything mm-hmm. session. It's called, Disco- It's we, we call it Discover PMI. And what that does is it brings in people from across the organization to tell our community about things they may not know about. They're not selling, they're just saying, hey, this is what I do here at PMI. And then it gives the, the community an opportunity to ask them questions about it, right? So, oh, I didn't know that you guys had an academic research program. Tell me more about that. How can I get involved? I'm in academia. How did I never know about this? So it keeps them connected to each other and it keeps them connected to the organization. It helps them discover things that they didn't know about. So always look for things that are going to possibly be new to your community. Look for ways, um, look for the things that they're talking about. So if, if you are providing content on a specific topic or experiences around a specific issue that six months ago was important to the community, but now they've moved on to something else and you haven't adjusted, adjust. Figure out what it is that they need. Talk to them. Figure out what it is that they want, whether that be um, a dedicated forum to get their feedback, whether it be having one-on-one conversations. post your own content. Uh, One of the things that we did was, um, while we try to let them post their own content, uh, we have a blog uh, that is reserved for community staff called The Critical Path. And one of the things that I did last week was I posted just a blog to say, hey, I know this whole COVID-19 situation is tough. It's tough for me too. Here's some self-care tips. What are you guys doing? I generated a huge, a great response because they got to talk about something that's different, right? They weren't talking about how, as a project manager, I'm helping my community. They were able to say, you know what, this is what I'm feeling too, and these are great tips, and I never thought about that. So um, it, it really kind of changed their thinking. So find those opportunities where you're able to engage them around something other than the thing that they talk about all day, every day. And I think that that's what's going to keep them coming back. It's going to keep them wanting, because then you're, you're, you're seeing them as humans, not just the people who are in my mm-hmm. community. And I think that's so important. Um, and that's what's keeping them engaged. And that's what's going to keep them coming back, because you mm-hmm. see them. You are actually seeing the people who take the time to come into your community and spend part of their day interacting with the stuff that's there, Once they feel seen, then they're going to feel like you know this is this is my home. This is somewhere I want to continue to come back to.
0: Love it, awesome. Okay, we're going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. You ready? I'm ready. All right. One. How do you define community?
1: Bringing people together and letting them feel connected to not only each other but to whatever it is that you're offering, making them feel like they've got a home.
0: Awesome. Two, what's your favorite book related to community or any resource?
1: Belong by Radha Agarwal.
0: Mm, good one. Awesome. Three, what's your go to activity or self care tactic for when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed about the community or there's conflict or something? What, what's the one thing that you like to do?
1: Play solitaire. Uh, It's a a lone activity. It's a good one for an introvert, and it helps me kind of calm down a bit.
0: Love it. Four, Uh, who is one person that you really look up to in the community space?
1: Oh. There's so many, you know, there is someone that I look up to. She's not necessarily in the community space, but, um, Kiki Latalian, she's in the association space and she's doing a really good job at trying to build community around association professionals. And she's, I just look up to her, her drive and, and what she, what she's able to accomplish. Just, just it's, it's mesmerizing.
0: Love it. Uh, where, where can we find her? Uh, You can find her at
1: Kiki LaTalian on Twitter, or you can also find her at associationchat.com.
0: Awesome. And then last, if you had to sum up all of your lessons and insights and wisdom and everything you've learned about community, and you can only leave the world with one tweet-sized piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Always keep your members in mind, but don't forget your business either.
0: Awesome, cool. Um, and and finally, just where where can people find you? Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at Marjorie A. That's M A R J O R I E A Y Y E E. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, if if there's ever any time anyone wants to talk about community, I'm always up for it. Um, just shoot me an email at Marjorie dot anderson at pmi.org or marjorie at association.com.
0: Awesome. And yeah, check out community by association as well. Lots of great content and resources there, especially for anyone working in the association community space, but really for anyone working in community. Marjorie, just want to express gratitude for you. Uh, Thank you for coming and chatting with me and sharing all your wisdom. And I think you're just so clearly someone that really cares about the work that you do and actually do see the members in your community, you can tell it just kind of comes through that uh, your team and your members are really seen by you and you really put in the time and energy and effort to give them really great experiences and connect them with each other. may not have been the job you chose six plus years ago, but you are well suited to it and uh, really grateful to have you in the community industry as someone that we can all learn from.
1: Thank you, David. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today.
0: Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next time.